Welcome to Lunch with Legends. I'm your host, Lou Stowers, and we're expanding our boundaries here at Lunch with Legends. Well, we'll still bring you your favorite sports heroes as always, but in addition, we want to catch up with some sports heroes that are expanding their horizons and are being a success in business as well as on the field because, you know, it doesn't always last that long on the field. And um, some guys don't even make it to the pros or don't want to make it to the pros because they have other dreams and desires. Also, we're going to go into the political arena as well. We're going to go into the entertainment arena, wherever you want to go. And you know how to get a hold of us at Lunch with Legends. Today, we're going to talk to a serial entrepreneur. His name is John Sarasani. He was on the Notre Dame football team and the Northwestern football team in the mid to late 90s. So a Division I football player with a scholarship and something in mind, there's a lot of drive for success. John Sarasani, thanks for joining us here on Lunch with Legends all the way from Chicago. Hey, man. I'm happy to be here. It's been a lot of fun, Lou. It sure is. So uh, did you have this drive growing up for for just uh, it seems like you just have a wide focus not with just football but for a little bit of everything you know i've always been um a competitive person in nature and somehow somehow in my head when i at a young age i, I don't know how, why or, or how it was really i don't know what else in my family is like this i've i've just been um attracted to figuring out or trying to make profits in uh in different business ventures, you know, anything from like, okay, I'm going to buy this pack of uh, baseball cards that were 50 cents and there's five of them here and I could turn around and sell each of them for 20 cents and, you know, make a buck a pack. Like just stupid little things like that, Lou, I've just always looked at life that way. Someone presents me with an idea and I just kind of like try to reverse engineer of, okay, how, how's money being made in this idea? And uh, <laughs> I think it's a blessing and a curse that my mind thinks that way. Well, I don't know. The curse was uh, most of us uh, putting uh, the, the baseball cards on, on uh, clothespins in our ba- uh, bicycle spokes and say, well, hey, Don Drysdale, Ernie Banks are on Santa. That'll make it sound better. Instead, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so. There's a... Uh... There's a couple MacBooks going for you now. Exactly, exactly, and they're in they're in a landfill somewhere. But uh, so, was that the was the plan to go to, in to get the scholarship so you could pay for your your uh, business schooling? You know, it's funny, man. When you're when you're a kid, you um, and a teenager, and, and you you excel in really anything, whether it be a sport or if you're a violinist or a guitar player or a good singer or a good artist and and it's recognized that you're you know on the on the you know top of the heap in terms of um you know people in that category it it really kind of dominates your life and um you know so for me it was just all football man i was a a high school american in football um had scholarships really to any school in the country um, and then, you know, it kind of defines you and ultimately you end up going to Notre Dame and that defines you even more. Okay, Notre Dame football now it even becomes more real, becomes more a part of how people identify you. Um, it wasn't until later in life that my football days were behind me that I actually got to pursue um, some of these other passions that, I, that I've always had, um, including, uh, including building businesses. So where did you grow up, John? I grew up in Schaumburg, outside of Chicago. Just a train ride away from the commodities market, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Does anyone really go there anymore, though? I don't even know if there's <laughs> anymore there. I've, I don't know. I don't know. I had a buddy there, uh, Scott Andrews, uh, who's who's he followed in his dad's footsteps there, and and uh, he was uh, uh, supposed to be the next uh, Bruce Jenner. Well, not not in high heels, but in spikes. And um, uh, in 1984. And we all know what happened there in, the, in, the, in those Olympics, but uh, he made quite a bit of money in the commodities trade there. And so um, I stayed there at his his beautiful house there in Schaumburg. And um, so, yeah, so Schaumburg is, uh, uh, holds a little piece of my heart there. And they, uh, plus they have great uh, Oktoberfest there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Septemberfest. Thank you for, for saying that. It's a, it's a very popular thing labor day weekend people come from all over and they usually get a good uh, a good band or two that's uh, of national exposure so it's a lot of fun no that's right so um so what high school did you go to 
I went to Schaumburg High School, so if you were back there in the early 80s, Schaumburg was still in its infancy. Right. Um, yeah, but Schaumburg High School was newer there, and man, actually, that's what got our family to Schaumburg in the first place. My my dad was uh, one of the original teachers at Schaumburg High School. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and he was later named the head football coach, so... Uh, you know, you talk about a, a school that's new. Schaumburg High School has only had, <laughs> some, you know, it started in the early 70s, but Schaumburg High School has only had three um, head football coaches in the whole time it's existed. And my dad has the longer longest tenure there um, from the early 80s to uh, 2005. Uh, uh, you might have uh, seen some of the Andrews sisters. Boy, they were big in softball, volleyball, and basketball. Um so the great athletes followed in his dad's footsteps. Pretty awesome. I don't know those names, but I'm sure they usually people know my name more because of my dad than, than me. If you're from Schaumburg, chances are you've, you've heard my dad's name. Uh, yeah. He's more famous than I am in that town, at least. Well, Sarasani, that's, uh, that's, that can be quite a big name in, uh, in north of Chicago and south of Chicago, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh so yeah the sarasani name the the legacy you're carrying on your dad's legacy obviously because you can't be a football coach and, and a teacher without having a great work work ethic yeah you know and i, I kind of look at life and this is what i try to instill in my kids you know we try to level up every generation um i spend a lot of time out in los angeles now and you know, I come across people that come from backgrounds that maybe generational wealth or, or very just very prestigious families, and they're the you know seventh eighth generation in, and and you know they're born with that silver spoon in their mouth. And, and what I what I explain to my kids is, hey, listen, we're not them, but it doesn't mean that descendants of ours could. And every generation of my family, I want to move upward if it's only one percent you know and, and i think my dad did a good job of that my dad was the first one to go to college his my grandpa his father was an italian immigrant that uh, was a carpenter you know <laughs> there was no one in that household encouraging my dad hey go to school you're supposed to go get a job as a carpenter and, and, and work with my grandpa um he put him he, he decided to go to college on his own paid for it um got a job as a high school teacher and you know, I'm, I'm trying to carry on the legacy, not by following his foot in his footsteps from a career path, but in following his footsteps from um, leveling up the family with with, uh, with us. And hopefully my hopefully my kids are listening and, and plan on do, doing the same and not just living off uh, daddy's coattails. Well, that's true. And, 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 you know, when they get older and, and um, uh, like, like my daughter is now my boss. So in the insurance industry and speaking of that, you got uh, you got into the insurance industry out of college or what happened out of college there um yeah what what is your daughter and what 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 uh what side of the business oh uh, she's not a broker yet uh she's uh, works with wfg and an athene financial and um and right now uh, we're focusing on annuities because of the way the economy is is uh, uh just yep. bleeding the 401ks dry and if that and if <laughs> And if I'm sure you're doing the same thing, telling some of your, hopefully, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, telling your clients that, um, well, I'll ask you, I'll ask you, is it a good idea to roll over that old 401k into an annuity that has a 0% loss floor? <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy. So here, here's what happened. Here's what happened. So, so I, I always laugh at That's why I asked what, what part of the industry your daughter's in, because... Insurance is one of those professions that, <laughs> you know, we might all have the same license, but we're doing a bunch of different different things. Exactly. And then I was going to actually lead with this example, or lead with this point, and you're making the example for me right now. Um, I worked in group benefits, so I worked with corporations. Oh, okay. Um, you know, on their group health plan. So, Sam, an 800-employee manufacturing company, they're not dealing, people don't realize this, their human resources director and their CFO are not dealing directly with Blue Cross. They kind of are, but there's an intermediary between them. Right. And that's, that's the role I would play. Okay, okay. Yeah, and and so, that's where I built my business. It's it's one of those professions that um, it doesn't take a lot of overhead. Now, you, the, the level of, of entry, the, you know, the, the barrier of entry is low, 
but it's very competitive space. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like real estate. There's some real estate agents that are selling, you know, five million dollar properties. There's some that are, you know, selling, you know, eight hundred dollar rentals. You know, so um, you know, and, and then there's everything in between, right? Absolutely. Well, Cassie's also a rock star in, in taxes. She got tired of doing taxes, uh, working for these large firms um, uh, like Deloitte and Touche, and and, uh, um, and okay. you know just uh, places like that. Guys grabbed her right during college. You know how they yeah. how the, the the Shark Tank the sharks uh, are released within the uh, the college walls there, and they they pick and choose the the best ones. And so she got kind of tired of that, but still want to kind of stay in that same business. And then after becoming a rock star in that part of it, um, some friends of hers that were still in the accounting business said, hey, we need help. And so she came in and, and um, cleaned up their business, and now she's on her own again. So she's, um, she's an entrepreneur to her. She's a, a very, very smart young lady, and I don't know where the heck she got that from, but, um, but obviously from her mother. So. So, um, so you know, when when you're a dad and and your and your kid looks at you with those big brown eyes and says, "Dad, can you help?" and I said, well, "Sure." So I got my license, and um, so I'm just trying to fump for along and try to throw something in the pot, you know. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, um, you know, if if she's working at places like Deloitte or or you know the Price Waterhouse or KPMG's of the world, yep, exactly, industries like that, yeah, I, I could tell you, insurance is, um, <laughs> you, you don't need the same level of intellect as you do in those spaces. So so you end up, you know, you, you end up going from being around a bunch of super smart people at the, the companies I just named to an insurance in an industry like insurance, and then you know. Her intelligence will put her on that upper echelon right off the get go, and now it's just a matter of what you don't have to deal with in those other spaces. This is, this is, is usually the selling aspect, the, the actual retention of clients and the acquisition of clients. That's the that's the differentiator I've, I've felt, and that's kind of where I where I strive because I definitely was not always the smartest person in the room, but I was good at business to business sales. Had the drive. Had the drive. Of, of a tight end, that's for sure. Yeah, well, well, Cassie went into the insurance industry because she saw what happened um, regarding her mom and me. Uh, I don't want any any sad songs here, but uh, her mother passed away 10 years ago from cancer, and we were very, very underinsured at the time. And so I'm still paying off stuff. So... Um, Sorry to hear so that. yeah, so that's why she wanted to get in and get help, but you know, get uh, help people. So that's just the way she is. But um, uh, so let's just get back to you. Uh, it seems like linemen, especially offensive linemen, um, are the smartest guys on the field, and um, always have that drive for success too. The the some of the guys that I've covered through. <sighs> Wow, what am I in my sixth decade of doing this now? Um, since the seventies, um, the guys that are the most successful are seen, and the most drive to get something done in business are the offensive linemen. And I um, know that tight end is I, I, you know, that's still part of the tight end. You got to block before you before you can catch oh, the yeah. ball, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I would say, you know, it, it's interesting that you say that about the linemen because I, I think a lot of times um, people enter the room just assuming the old football stereotype, like the big guy that's a, that's a dummy. So, so the, the benchmark of perception from that lineman, from an intelligence standpoint, is usually pretty low. So if they act average, it's like, holy shit, that guy's pretty smart. <laughs> really smart on top of it. It's like, wow, this guy's freaking <laughs> and it seems to me that the insurance industry um that you started it at your house at your your kitchen table got pretty bored boring pretty quick and so what did you do what did you do after that yeah it didn't really get boring what what happened was the, the drive for me with insurance it was never like the most I mean, it was, I was good at it, and it's competitive, and uh, I liked winning, and I liked bringing value to my clients. So it's, it's kind of nice when all those things go hand-in-hand hand with the same goal. These are not three separate 
silos. You know what I mean? I was able to accomplish all three of those, be able to be rewarded financially, satisfy my thirst for competitiveness, you know what I mean, and help the clients. And it's the same thing. I was able to accomplish all three of those. So that part was great. What happened for me was when I built the company big enough, a private equity firm came in and made us an offer, made me an offer that I couldn't refuse and ended up rolling my entire organization into an existing organization that they were financially backing. And part of that deal required me to work over there for five years. Now, anyone that ever built a business and then sold their business, yeah, it's all like rainbows and unicorns the day you sell it. Yeah, we're all going to work together. This is going to be great. After a while of then becoming an employee, after you built this and you see things happening around you, it kind of takes some kinks in the armor over time. So by the time that employment contract was satisfied and I could actually retire, I was 42 years old. Wow. Yeah, and at that point it was like... I have no interest in getting back into insurance. I, I had to sit two years out. Oh, no kidding. Some, they had a non-complete clause in there or something? Yeah, and a lot of people think that stuff's not always um, enforceable. It, it, it is enforceable if it involves a transaction. So so they paid me a bunch of money. I'm not allowed to just like turn around and steal all the clients they just bought from me. Um, <laughs> You're right. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I had to sit out two years regardless and, and really think about it. And what I found about myself during that two years was, Hey man, you know what? There's a lot more to this life than, um, than, uh, you know, just, just building a company and insurance and everything else. The insurance has gotten enough of me right now. I gotta, I gotta, uh, go do something else with, with this. We don't, we were only here once, um, you know, that we know of that, that that's for certain at least. And, uh, you know, and how do I want to spend that time here? Um, very happy with what I did from an insurance standpoint. Enjoyed it, but okay, this this second chapter of life here. Let's um, let's mix it up. So you d- decided to go into venture capitalism. What exactly is a venture capitalist? Well, it's it's um, anyone that's seen Shark Tank. It's it's uh, that that is what it is. So. I basically sit around all day and have different entrepreneurs, whether it's through email or phone calls or LinkedIn messages, um, trying to get funding for their companies. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> listen, when you're the one writing the check, when you're, when you're the one giving them the money, everything's kind of on your terms. So <laughs> if tomorrow I don't want to wake up till 11 a.m., Lou, guess what? Uh, every call I missed before 11, they'll, they'll still be there at 11.01. There you go. Exactly. So I, I do have that freedom. Um, you know, my son is a freshman in high school and nice wrestling, you know, so, you know, he has, I got to meet out of town Thursday. Okay. guess what? I'm going to clear my schedule. So I am working, but it's not necessarily, um, you know, work, work. Right. Exactly. Not, not a nine to five or punching the clock. So, um, so what exactly do you do and who do you work with? Well, I'll look for opportunities. I'll, I'll engage in opportunities that I think, um, could, could, uh, could check a few boxes. Okay. First of all, you know, like I said about insurance, although, although it was very lucrative for me and it, and it came with benefits that my family is reaping the award, rewards of, it mm-hmm. wasn't necessarily the most exciting dinner conversation. Okay? <laughs> so <laughs> sitting around with people talking about like the Affordable Care Act or self-funded health plans or uh, drug manufacturing rebates is not necessarily fun dinner conversation. So I'm like, whatever I do, whatever I get involved in, it's going to be something interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be the one at that dinner table. <laughs> hey, what do you do? Okay, here's what I do. Okay, what kind of companies are you involved in? Okay, and these are going to be interesting dinner conversations, all right? So, nice. So and that's that's really how I operate. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so 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 uh, number the first thing I look at is, is this something even of interest to me, or are the people involved interesting people to me? Um, the second thing is, you know, is it a good investment? Is this, is this something I could actually make money on? And that is number two. That's not number one. And people think I'm crazy. Listen, I, I don't need to make more money. The, the, like, it, it, I would like to, but I don't need to. So even if I think this is a great deal, but if I'm going to be associated with a bunch of people that 
I couldn't care less about or I just don't like them personally or something, I'm not going to do the deal. It's nice to have that kind of freedom, right? The third thing is, is there something I could help the company grow with? Is there value that I could bring to the table, maybe in some type of advisory role? So that's what happens, man. And it's really starting to come together pretty nicely. I got to tell you, I'll give you an example, all right? So there's a company I was asked to be on the board of advisors of. I'm one of their investors. It's called the Gaming Society. They're a sports gambling kind of tutorial. They're teaching people how to gamble to graduate then to gamble with the big dogs. And they also have an emphasis on women in sports and blah, blah, blah. And I shouldn't say blah, blah, blah. They're one of the only ones that's focused and I'm very proud to be part of it. That's really pushing, okay, you want this whole sports gambling thing's out there. Okay, we all see the lines going across the minus seven Packers or, you know, what about women's basketball? What about the WNBA lines? So they're really pushing that and I think it's fun to be a part of. But you know why they want to be involved? Why? One of the other companies I'm involved with is called OSDB Sports and Aaron Rodgers is one of the founders. Wow. So I'm in that network over here. One of the founders of Gaming Society is Kevin Garnett. All right, isn't it good to have association between these companies? And hey, John, what did they do for this over there? Hey, do you know if anyone in your network has any high profile people in Atlanta involved that we could include in this press release we're doing or that want to be a part of this? Oh yeah, actually I'm good friends with a guy named Roddy White who played on the Falcons for a while. Let's get him involved. You know what I mean? So the advisory stuff could be like that where it's just accessing my network and just being a part of that mix. Or it might be something like much more specific. You know, I'm involved in a government technology company that has a thing where they work with police station. Hopefully soon all over the country, but right now it's Chicago based. Now, what is that again? You broke up just a little bit there. It's a technology company that has a cloud-based system for police departments. And their buyer is local police departments. Okay, well, they're trying to penetrate the Chicagoland suburbs. I've lived there basically my whole life. My dad knew a million people. I got contacts all over the place. Okay, well, is there something I could do to help that company? Well, there sure is. Not only just financially, I could make a number of introductions to them with different mayors and police chiefs all over the place. So these are just examples of throwing yourself into that mix and being involved in different things. And it's about my third year now, and I've been involved in about 30 different deals. And it's been great, man. It's a lot of fun. And I'm looking for some wood to knock on. Hopefully it's come to fruition. Yeah, don't pinch yourself, right? I don't lose all my money on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, you talked about that cloud-based thing, Living, being a downstater for a while in Quincy, Illinois. I know that a lot of those small towns – well, they could really use something like that. That's a, that's a, a huge uh, improvement in information sharing. But I want to get back to sports gambling. Um, here in L.A., in California, we just had Proposition 26 and 27. And um, you're doing business here in L.A. I'm sure that you uh, had to go over that a little bit. And um, I voted no on both of them because I just didn't see the benefit for anybody. Um, anybody here except for... Uh, except for the guys writing writing the ballot measures. Yeah. So is that I, I'm not familiar with with it with what those problems is it to, is it to legalize sports gambling in California? Is that what it is? Over the phone, like like FanDuel and all that. Yeah, legalized yeah. sports gambling. And of course, the Indian casinos were like, wait a minute, and um, and one one was for big Indian casinos, another one was for little Indian casinos. So it was it was just a big mess. So everybody voted no. Yeah, it's a matter of time, in my opinion. I you know everybody could have their own opinion on this, but there's emerging um, areas, and um, you know a big one which California was on the forefront of was was cannabis. Other states now are 
starting to legalize cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. Sports sports gambling is the only the, the same thing. There's just you know, especially these states that are in a deficit and losing money or on the verge of going bankrupt, like they're like freaking Greece in 2012 or something. Right. You know, <laughs> they, they need money, man. Yeah, they all do. Hey, uh, so y'all want to go bet with these bookies that are doing it illegal that we see nothing of, or do we want to? You know what I mean? So, so I, I think it's only a matter of time. I, I'll tell you what, though, man. I got a place in West Hollywood and. I spent half my time out there, half my time in uh, Chicago, and uh, <laughs> you sit around and watch you go go watch uh, primetime TV in Chicago for three hours. Go watch the same primetime TV in LA for three hours. Okay, there's only one difference. Only one what's, difference. What's that? In Chicago, every other commercial is for a gambling app or website. <laughs> <laughs> in California, you're still seeing freaking Applebee's commercials. They don't even exist in Chicago anymore. The sports gambling companies have bought all of the marketing, all of the advertising space. Like the, the Denny's of the world barely advertise anymore. Wow. This, yeah. this, wow, that's something. Now, it's, I, I thought that anybody could pick up a phone anyway. That was that was the, um, I mean, I didn't care that uh, some some of these people were saying, well, your child could pick up a phone and make a bet, and that could lead to uh, uh, lead to degenerative gambling. Well, okay, you either are or you aren't anyway in gambling, but um, uh, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, but uh, it just has to be presented in in a, in a certain light. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and, and here's just my humble opinion on this stuff. And before sports gambling became legalized anywhere, everybody had bookies. There's damn, like, websites that was like, oh, for oh, yeah. payment purposes only, but the websites were set up for bookies to, like, access and use as gambling accounts. Like, that's, it's not uncommon. Everybody, Anybody that gambles or is familiar with what I'm talking about right now. Um, <laughs> There's a few that listen to this show. <laughs> you know, it, it, here's the thing, man. I, I feel like the degenerates are, are still gonna go. And that's Mister Degenerate to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's Mister Degenerate to you. <laughs> um, I, I feel like the people with a gambling problem are gonna be going through the bookies anyway, still. And, right. And the reason is they're gambling money that they don't have. On FanDuel and um, um, PointsBet and what's the other one? DraftKings. Mm -hmm. um, you got to front the money, bro. Like that money needs to be in the account. You don't get to go bet a thousand dollars that's not in the account. When you go bet with a bookie, <laughs> they're not collecting the thousand dollars in advance. You know what I mean? Right. So, so you got to come up with the money you're betting beforehand, just like you're at Vegas at a sports book, really. Um, which I feel like prevents a lot of degenerate types of uh, behavior because <laughs> if, the, if the money doesn't exist, you can't you can't bet it with those guys. Exactly, and and the the guys you're talking about that you're involved with, Aaron Rodgers and Kevin Garnett, mm -hmm. I mean that just tells you how far we've come um, yeah. to accepting ga sports gambling. I mean these guys are still well, Aaron is still active, um, yeah. but I mean Pete Rose, I mean. He still can't get in the Hall of Fame. That's right, man. That's right. And, and, and the company with Aaron has a, a, a lot of other... It's not just strictly gambling. There's there's other things going on, but there is a gambling component to it. It's all kind of that same conversation. And uh, yeah, man, you, you'd be shocked, man. You'd be shocked. I'm, I'm involved in a couple other smaller um, gambling companies, and there's other some other big names. I'm not going to say their names, but there's a couple other big names involved with us that are that are current players um, that are out there doing this. And it's and I'm for, at first I'm like, because uh, their agent will call us and ask us a bunch of questions before they get involved. And yeah, and we get educated from the agents because the agents will say, well, listen, the NFL says, the Players Association says this, the union contract says that. I thought it was going to be a strict no. <laughs> it's, it's gambling related. Uh, we're not involved. And that's just not the case. The NFL is well right. aware of it. This is all above board. 
um, you're allowed to do this shit, man. So <laughs> the yeah. last thing I'm going to do is uh, get involved with some company that uh, go around banging my, uh, you know, pounding my chest. Look at me. I'm business partners with Aaron Rodgers. And there's a <laughs> component, and uh, he ends up being kicked out of the NFL for it, and everyone hates me the next, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, Chicago people love me. We, we, they like Aaron Rodgers here. Sure, yeah, they throw a parade for you in Cicero. But, yeah, exactly. uh, That's right. That's but right. <laughs> uh, there's three three na- three words that I can use to describe the NFL's uh, angle on gambling now: Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, you got the Las Vegas Raiders there. You've got the uh, uh, the NHL has their team there. Um, uh, Major League Baseball is looking. The NBA is not far off. So um, the the pariah that used to be Las Vegas is now the end of the rainbow. <laughs> it's it, it, like remember back in the day oh my gosh yeah, yeah like, like UNLV you couldn't even bet on a UNLV game because no of corruption <laughs> you couldn't even go near it exactly and and now it's a destination so I mean it always has been a destination I mean it used to be that uh, Kentucky Derby Day was the day a normal person would not even go near but now it's it's every weekend I mean it's it's um uh, it's just booming now because of because mainly because of the raiders i mean the knights the knights are a nice uh local team there it's vegas is now a sports town with 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 the knights but with the raiders because of their uh the proximity to los angeles and oakland Mm -hmm. it's just a plane ride away an hour plane ride away and there they all are so And, and, but I want to get get into your real estate. Um, but first of all, before we do that, I'm going to talk some real estate ventures that John Sarasani, who's joining us here on Lunch with Legends, um, going to talk about that because he's got some very interesting pieces. This is a guy that goes big. He doesn't go home because he always goes big. We'll be back with more of Lunch with Legends right after this. Hey, it's Lou. So... Which direction is that dormant traditional retirement plan moving from that old job that you're not paying into anymore? Well, it's probably losing around 10% or more since the stock and investment markets have taken the nosedive. Well, stop the bleeding now. Call Cassidy or me at Eden Accounting, 562-266-7024. That's 566-266-7024. And we'll roll that old, leaky 401k, IRA, or other traditional retirement account into a 0% loss annuity. That's right. 0% loss. That means if the investment markets go below 0%, your account will not lose any money. When those markets gain above zero, your account collects all of those earnings. Your statements will always be in the black. No more losing that car, the kid's tuition, oh, that vacation, oh, that new house. Traditional retirement plans have lost 10% or more of their value in 2022. Stop losing your hard-earned money and earn the benefits of a zero-loss floor annuity today. These annuities are also life insurance policies for your beneficiaries. It's a win-win. The only thing you lose with a rollover annuity from Cassidy or me is that headache from watching your old retirement plan literally go down the drain. Call Cassidy or me at 562-266-7024 now and call us for a life insurance policy checkup. What about your overall financial situation? Let's check that out, too. That's Eden Accounting, 562-266-7024. That's 566-266-7024. Back for the second half of Lunch with Legends. I'm Lou Stowers with John Sarasani, and uh, a venture capitalist, a tight end turned venture capitalist. Now he's doing the same thing he did on the football field, you know, doing a button hook or a skinny post or a little waggle and getting those first downs and helping the, the running backs getting the first downs or the touchdowns. He's doing it now in the business world. And the author of two books, first book was paid training. He's going to come out with another book real soon. We'll talk about that later. 2000% raise. Hey, if I could get a 2% raise, that'd be great. But, um, I want to talk about some things that other things you've done, um, like like real estate development or real estate acquisitions. One that I see, one that's close to my heart, 
is the Via Hotel, which used to be the Newport Marriott, which was right around the corner from where I used to live. That's that's a beautiful property. How'd that come around? That's pretty damn awesome, man. Thanks for bringing that up. And I, I got to tell you, that's a nice little feather in my cap. So, so Glencrest Global is my company. It's my money. It's kind of a maybe you could call it like the John Sarasani family office, I guess, if you wanted to put a label on it. But it's not a. I just say that because it's not a fund with limited partners or anything of that stretch of the imagination. And I. I um, I got invited, man. You know, you start rolling in the right circles. I meet a couple guys in Orange County, some high-profile people, and, you know, I'm friends with this guy that owns a real estate company that, and he played in the NBA for 15 years. Next thing you know, me and him are out to launch with this guy that's one of the owners of one of the NBA teams in California. And next thing you know, you're meeting the right people, shaking hands with the right people. Oh, gosh, looks a little slot opened up. Somebody fell off the investment group that was buying the Newport Beach Marriott. A, a, a spot opened up. Um, you had to kind of move fast on it. I had already expressed to my friends involved in it that, hey, you know, I, w- I wish I would have known you guys six months ago. I would have been in that deal. I used to <laughs> vacation there when I was a little kid. Um, and, uh, you know, sure enough, somebody, somebody um, couldn't come up with the money they needed by the deadline, and they were out. And uh, okay, who do we know? Let's go through our Rolodex. We gotta, we gotta fill this spot, and they're gonna have to turn this thing around in four or five days. I got that phone call, and uh, super happy to be a part of it, man. And I kind of snuck in there. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I, had just, I had just started Glencrest Global six months earlier, and I gotta tell you, we have our quarterly, um, quarterly uh, investor meetings and updates, and uh, I, I'm in the room with some. Uh, I'm in the room with some. Uh, Pretty, pretty big people that uh, I'm happy to be there. I, 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 don't, I don't think that they're going home and telling, telling their wife that they just met me like I'm telling my friends I just met them, but uh, maybe one day, buddy. Well, hey, that's, that sounds terrific. Well, next time you come down here, uh, we'll go get a, get a soda or something there. That's it, for man. sure. You I love it. it. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's the calls I get nowadays. They're like, hey, man, your hotel. Well, first of all, yeah, maybe it is my hotel, but along with about 97 other people, but yeah, my <laughs> hotel. Hey, uh, yeah, did you look at the room, the nightly rates? Uh, yeah, I got nothing to do with that, just so you know, but uh, thank you. Well, it's, it's got the three things in real estate, location, location, location. You talk about, you've obviously followed your dreams, and you've been in um, the right place at the right time, obviously, with this Via Hotel um, uh, venture, and what can you tell people that are listening that uh, maybe um, are at the starting point where you were and not real sure about putting their toe in the water? What do you tell them? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to tell you, man, it just don't go, get over your skis, you know, uh, especially especially when you're getting into something new in the investment space. That, that first year, everything seems like a great idea. Hey man, I got this product, this this invention, this you know whatever, and oh gosh, okay, well here here I'm gonna invest in this and invest in that, but you know, and then they all go out of freaking business, or or a portion of them do, and, and there's just stuff that I know now that that um, gosh, that was a really bonehead move that I put money into those <laughs> that deal two years ago, and I, I'm sure five years from now I'll look back and say the th- same thing right, uh, uh, say the th- same thing about now, but what I did do intelligently was never overextend on on what i did become a part of um and i and i don't care what level you're at man like hey listen your buddy's open up let's say your buddy's opening up a pizza place and uh you know he needs 100 grand to give him 15 let him find the 85 grand somewhere else don't go in the whole hundred buddy you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. that's the kind of way to look at it obviously my deals are much bigger numbers than that, but but I'm trying to relate to, to the general public here, you know, and and, and it, it's it's freaking the truth, man. Just just as good as shit sounds, there's so many things, especially in new business ventures, that could go wrong, um, that that are just not foreseeable, and um, that's the way it goes. Yeah, and uh, following your entrepreneurial dreams, that that's. That's something that everybody wants to do. They want to be their own boss. They don't want to have to clock in. They want to wake up at eleven fifteen and not uh, yeah. not not six fifteen. So, right. so that's that's something. But you got to put in the time before you can do that, right? <laughs> 
Well, that was what my first book was about, actually. It's called Paid Training. And um, what, I, I, where can we get where can we get that? Where can we get paid training? It's on Amazon, but just you know what? Just wait till my new book comes out. Don't even, don't even buy that book. I mean, that was in 2011. My, okay. my new book coming out is so much more robust than that one. But uh, it's called Paid Training. If you're listening to this and you want to buy it, it's on Amazon. I appreciate you buying it. Um, but wait a couple months. My new book is a lot, a lot uh, more robust than that one. Which would be 2,000% um, raise. Yeah, two thousand percent raise, correct. And the, the the concept behind paid training, and actually, in, in two thousand percent raise, I, I include a section on on paid training as well. But the the idea is that you work for someone else, learn the trade, then quit that job and go out and be an entrepreneur with you know with a full arsenal. Versus so many other people, man, that, that screw that up. Oh, I'm an entrepreneur. How well do you, an entrepreneur for what? Like, you never had a job. You know, you, you'll hear people pride themselves in never having jobs, and that's great. But there is no glamour into going out there and uh, wasting investor money because you're still getting taught or teaching yourself in industry. You want to go get investors to give you money, and then you jump into this business, and you don't know what the hell you're doing. Nah. Okay, no. Not only are you going to get pissed off investors, you're going to lose friends over that too. It's it's reckless behavior. Right. So you know. So what you should do is get a job in an industry, learn the trade, then go start a company within that industry that you've you know that you're well positioned and and um, already know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> if you have some money that you want to invest, uh, become a venture capitalist. Um, what are some of the businesses to stay away from? Well, anything technology related. Really? Gonna, well, not not to stay away from it, but 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 to be aware that most people don't realize. Like, if, if you want to dabble, dabble as like an angel investor, and you're saying, okay, now, now what's that? You, you just got to be aware that technology related um, companies, it's going to be a long road because that technology needs to be developed. They're usually burning through money, constantly raising money. Um, takes a long time to monetize, and then when they actually start making a profit, it's so many years down the path. And then they need to have somebody come in and buy them after they're profiting. And then finally, you get your return on investment if, if they're if they're still in business, and that and that and that goes that way. And you're you're talking about a long um, long path typically. Um, I'm not saying to stay away from that. I'm involved in a number of those, but you got to just have an awareness. <laughs> if it's yeah. an early stage tech company, <laughs> you just don't plan on getting your money back in the next two or three years. It's, <laughs> okay, it's gonna be a while. Now, what's what's an angel investor? I mean, people that live uh, that aren't Dodger fans in Southern California or angel fans and an angel investor is is somebody who who uh, uh, hires Josh Hamilton so we, you know we, what is an angel investor yeah so an angel investor in a venture capitalist is, is really the same thing um, usually somebody that that calls themselves an angel investor is usually somebody that maybe the check size they're writing is much smaller than maybe a person that would call themselves a venture capitalist. And that's really the only distinction. Um, and it's not even black and white. It's very, very gray. Okay. All right. Uh, so it's the, the whole business of a uh, venture capitalist. You have to have a lot of gray. It's not a black and white deal, right? Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the stuff I'm doing, it's called early stage venture capital. Some of these ideas are not even like you know up and running yet. It's like they're still forming their damn corporation. And uh, you know, when when you get into that space, you know, you, you look at it like this. Okay, if I'm going to get in ten deals, I'm 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 going to probably break even on three or four of them. I'm going to lose on three or four of them. And then three, you know, and then one to three of them, whatever's left, I hope I make a bunch of money on. Okay. Like we call we call the the overused term in the industry is the unicorn. You're looking for that unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I gotcha. Now, there, now there, there were people like me. There were angel investors that were getting involved in Uber, in Snapchat, in you know Facebook once upon a time that were putting money in when these were small little companies. 
little did they know, you know, they'd be rich off of that, you know, $25,000 investment, you know, 10 years later, right? Um, yeah. Th those are the unicorns. You and I were talking about that the other day. It's like, how do you make money on, on something that's not really there? Yeah, exactly. Like, like uh, th these e-coins, the doja coins or Bitcoin. I still don't get that. My son does it, and he's he's been pretty decent at it. But it's like, nah, I, I forget it. I'm not. There's nothing there. What's backing it up? Yeah, it's a trend, man. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think uh, I think the word trend tends to have a negative connotation. I don't necessarily mean it negatively, though. But uh, it is a trend at the moment. So let's see what happens. But nothing surprises me nowadays. What I what I've learned with this new technology and all of the things that uh, these. Uh, younger generations are bringing to the table it's like i'm not closing the book on anything but i'm just going to look at it and um and then i can say geez maybe i should have done something but um speaking of that we've told we, we've talked about some of your successes what has been your biggest albatross um <laughs> is that a synonym for disaster yeah <laughs> What what has been what has been the big floater in the yeah, big in the yeah, toilet? No, I know. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to. You don't have to answer that. At first, I thought you were saying arbitrage, and I go, okay, well, that could be a good thing—an arbitrage of money. But arbitrage. Oh man, I gotta tell you, I uh, I had two companies that first year, man, and these guys are freaking. I'm not gonna embarrass anyone, but like. That's fine. Bonehead founders, man. And, and uh, it's just so funny to me that, um, you know, it, you, you take someone's damn money and then you don't do everything you possibly can to make that company work. You know, I had a guy who was a food delivery business and it was during COVID, but it should have worked. And all he had to do was work his ass off. And he said all the right things, and mm -hmm. but it was, it was in the food industry. Oh. He wasn't a food guy, though. You you got to be a hustler. You got to be that guy that's running around packaging stuff. It's like, dude, what are you doing, bro? Are you like, are you quarterbacking this? I'm giving you money for you to go hire other people. What what do you do? <laughs> and, and surely you're out of money. You want me to put more money in? <laughs> There's no way I'm giving another penny. You don't have the grit to pull this off. And, uh, it, it was just very, very disappointing. So, you know, you lose six figures on a deal like that because I didn't properly vet the, the founder, you know? And, and then I had another deal right around the same time. It was like two big L's right in a row and it was shitty. You know, it, it, they were trying to do something internet-based and it was social media related. Uh -huh. and involved hashtags and other pieces and things that were trying to monetize and they thought it would be this big trend. and. You know, this person had knew a lot of people, and you know, there's things that I thought he would be doing that that he didn't do. Like, are you even like telling your friends about that? He's trying to be like too cool for school and wait till the company like arrived and then go tell everybody about it. It's like, wait, aren't you wearing this on your? You should be wearing this on your arm right now, screaming high at the top of the mountains. This is your company, and and he's more worried about not looking cool if it doesn't work to, to his, uh, you know, friends in LA. I'm like, oh, this guy, you gotta be effing kid. Don't, don't take investor money then if that's how you're gonna operate, buddy. I, I had no idea. And it was, it was right around that time where I, where I realized that there's, there's one of these, okay? Mm -hmm. Listen, man, you can't be in this space, dude. You are not a guy that could get shit done. And it's both of those people I was just talking about. You might say the right things. Right. Your heart might, your heart might even be in the right place. But, dude, this is real money. You're taking money from somebody else, and you're not doing every damn thing you can to succeed. I mean, it, it is what I referred to earlier, reckless behavior. You should not be doing this. Hmm. Now, you we're talking about how venture capitalism in the insurance industry and entrepreneurship uh, has made you uh, a wealthy guy, and which is great. Uh, but what are you doing to give back? Mm -hmm. Oh, I do a lot of philanthropy. So, so one of the um, one of the things that I that I've kind of made my mission, and I don't really talk about it that much, but the people that I'm involved with, um, they know very well who I am and, and appreciate it. So, the reason I succeeded in insurance was because I developed a niche space working with higher education institutions, and 
What a lot of people don't realize is that private colleges and universities, the small ones, um, are, are drastically or excuse me, underfunded. People can't, um, the tuition itself that the kids pay is not enough to cover the operating expenses. So what a lot of these schools will do is a number of capital campaigns, fundraising, um, you know, just endowed scholarships, a number of different things. So what I like to do is couple that, um, funding these schools, because I'm trying to give back to them. They're, they're my clients that, that helped me get to where I am in life. But funding them also in a way that allows um, under, I don't want to say underprivileged, but those maybe with socioeconomic conditions or maybe they're the first generation kid that going to college um, a lot of times this ends up being minorities but it doesn't have to be um, you know and, and uh, people don't realize it man that that division three school that, you, that you're aware of mm -hmm. <laughs> they, they say that's 50 grand a year to go to or 40 grand a year or whatever um, okay well that kid on the south side of Chicago or that kid in you know, East LA or, or, or South Central or, or wherever, I don't give a shit. Like they can't afford to go there. Okay. Right. Guess what? He, he's probably not going to go to college then. Well, wait a minute. He could play on their basketball team or he could play on their lacrosse team or this girl's a soccer player, but there's no way her parents could afford that 30 grand to go to school there. People like me giving to these schools allows those kids to go to school. That's awesome because, uh, uh, living back there for, for a few years, uh, I, I really loved going to those NAIA schools and those D2, D3 schools. There's a ton of them up and down the Mississippi Valley that are terrific schools. And even here on the West Coast, too, people, they're just little gems uh, that are surviving. Well, um, how can we get a hold of you, John, as we're getting uh, close to the, to the hour mark here? How can we get a hold of you? You got it, man. So I have a website called 2000% raise. Okay. Um, is uh, everything you need to know about my podcast as well as my book and our email newsletter. What's your podcast? Yeah. It's also called 2000% oh, raise. Okay. I, I interview entrepreneurs. So 2000% raise.com. And then um, my, I'm very active on Instagram and TikTok at John Sarasani. That's C E R. A S A N I, Sarasani. Okay. That's right. And I, I put out uh, short little clips of uh, usually different business related pieces of, uh, of advice for the audience. Do you do any uh, in uh, motivational speaking? <laughs> you know what, man? It's so funny that you ask me that. I'm going to sound like an ass, like a, I don't even know how I'll answer, <laughs> I guess I'll answer like I was, uh, was going to. Uh, <laughs> encouraged to. I've been asked to. Um, Lou, I gotta tell you, man, it's a grind. You see the people out there doing that, like actually for a living, right? Um, I don't know if I have it in me to travel around like those guys do, and and, and you'd kind of need to because you'd want to hone your skills of being good at it. Um, so I, I haven't gone down that path yet, but it's definitely it's definitely on the radar screen. Uh, yeah, we shall see. Well, either you have it or you don't, and buddy, you have it. Yeah. So. You know, and, and uh, God has really, really shown his light on you. And, and congratulations to all of your success on, on the gridiron and off of the gridiron to, and to you and your family. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. John Sarasani has been our guest here on Lunch with Legends. And uh, again, his new book is called 2000% Raise. And I'm sure you can get it at Amazon or anywhere else. And uh, you can reach John uh, with uh, at John Sarasani, C-E-R-A-S-A-N-I. And uh, John, um, either when I go back to my old uh, digs in Cicero, no, not really, uh, or uh, Chicago, or um, uh, or you come out here, we've got to get together, man. Love it, love it. Thanks, man. All right, until next time, so long. Yeah.